Wealth Tactic Rebels, ingenious tactics to accumulate wealth for people who see things differently. Welcome to another discussion with Wealth Tactic Rebels, the podcast for people who think differently. I'm your host, Kevin Dumont. I've been thinking differently in the wealth field for nearly 15 years. With Wealth Tactic Rebels, we try to bring you content that provides both noteworthy and uncommon tactics, as well as content that you can start applying to your life to help bring you prosperity. But Rebels, we need your help to continue to improve. Help us by going to your preferred listening medium, whatever that is you're listening on right now, and rate and review our show. Let us know what you like, what you'd like to hear more of, and also, if there's anything you found resonating with you about this particular episode, let us know that as well. Today, I am joined by our guest, Gregory Shepard. Hey, Greg, how are you today? I'm great, thank you. Well, fantastic to have you. I thank you for joining us and talking to us on a what we consider a timely topic for what's going on right now in the world with the pandemic and everything that's happening with business and markets and everything. So... Today, we're going to talk about crisis management during the pandemic or really any time. And Gregory Shepard here is a serial entrepreneur, investor, Forbes author, and TEDx speaker. So he has quite a bit of experience in this particular area. And it's something that has made a mission for himself with his his current company, Boss, which is Business Operating Support System. And they're trying to help companies right now weather this storm of crisis. It's something that he's had experience with personally before. And he's taken a bit of a mission to help people out with that. Greg, would you mind sharing a little bit today with our listeners about a little bit about where you came from, what inspired you to do what you're doing today? Sure, sure. And let me start with thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. So I started when I was young, I was pretty poor and we didn't have a lot. And I never forgot about that. And when I started to build businesses, I built 12 companies and sold 12 companies and then started investing. I got to the other side of that and started to really want to give back. Right, right. What I did is I had been using Boss, the business operating support system for many, many years and evolving it and testing it and, and all this stuff with many, many companies. And I decided after a little bit of time in politics that the best thing to do would be to give it away to right. entrepreneurs to help with wealth distribution yep, yep. and also help more entrepreneurs succeed. I felt like, you know, a 80, 90% of failure rate should just not be acceptable. Yeah. That's sort of the background. Yeah, I agree. That is a high rate. And, you know, I, I've talked with other people on the show before that have, have mentioned that. And I agree. I love having people on the show that help to help our listeners and get the word out there to help change those numbers around it. You know, I'm hoping someday that that number flips. That would be, I think that would be the ultimate goal, wouldn't, wouldn't you say? I mean, yeah. I mean, so what I did is I started by studying what I thought was the right thing to study, which is right. why they fail. Right, right. Then I found out that it was actually more stage appropriate. So what points are they failing? And then the second question was why they failed. And so I built Boss around that. And most recently, looking at the crisis that we're dealing with and the the economic downturn and the change in the ecosystem entirely, I wanted to create a new module, if you will, for Boss that had to do with crisis management. So we went out and interviewed a bunch of people and, and got some military inputs and other inputs from people at the universities and so on. And then we put together a crisis management. And then we went and tested it with our own portfolio companies. Mm -hmm. So I'll go through that, but I'll also give you the case study of what actually happened with our companies so you can see how effective it actually is. Interesting. Interesting. Very good. So for our listeners, before we dive in too much, do us a favor, go to your 
preferred listening platform, if you're listening, listening on iTunes or whatnot, drop us a little rate and review over there. But let us know today, because we're going to go through uh, Gregory's crisis management or crisis journey, I guess you could say. And we're going to talk about what his process is there. Let us know what in this process you found was useful for your business. What helped you through this time? So Greg, let's start on our journey here. Where do we begin? Well, so what we did is we first started looking at us as, uh, so us being Boss Capital Partners, which right, is right. the investment group that we have, the syndicate. And a little bit of information of us to give you some background is we're series seed. We do between 250 and 5 million in terms of the rounds. Right. The partners themselves, including me, all invest. So we're the actual investors. Right. And we have subject matter experts, advisors incorporated into the group that work with our investments. And then give you a little bit of background on Boss real quick so that there's some context for this. Sure. So good. Boss has five major steps. The North Star, which is identifying where you want to go and what success looks like. Mm-hmm. Strategy, which is the plan itself. Right. Execution, which is actually the process of executing the plan. Standardization, which puts in place processes and procedures and standards so that you can actually scale and grow out into the future and it makes it a hell of a lot easier to sell a business. And then the Kaizen loop, so the continuous improvement loop. Right, and so. Right. When this crisis happened, we said, okay, we need to have a module that sort of slides in front of the North Star because the boss was built for business as usual. Right. And this is not business as usual. So we wanted to create a module that you could sort of slide in to get your business from crisis to back to business as usual. Right, right. Then go ahead and move forward with boss again. And so that's what we built. Yeah. So basically the first journey is this, what we call a crisis journey. And the call to action is the first thing. And in this scenario, the call to action is the virus. Right, right. Then there's meeting your mentor. And so this is meeting somebody or something that's going to help you go through this process. And that's what I'm trying to do now. And I've been doing three, four podcasts a day, trying to help as many entrepreneurs as I can with this. And so that's the meeting your mentor. And that's where you guys are right now. That's great. And thank you for doing that with us. I'm sure our listeners greatly appreciate anything we can do to help get the word out there. I'm glad you're helping us with that. Yeah, no, I mean, it's really an honor to be able to help. That's the greatest honor you can have in life is to be able to contribute Mm -hmm. to others. Mm -hmm. So this meeting your mentor is seeking advice from somebody who's already been there. So I went through the 2008 recession. I went through the dot bomb, which was the 2008 was a real estate bubble and the dot bomb was a tech bubble. And then the 9-11 attacks also hit hard. And so I've been through this three times. This is a fourth time. And so I've been there. So I have something to offer to folks. And the third step in this crisis journey is crossing the threshold. So this is acting on the advice given to you by the mentor. And then you get the reward, which is where you emerge from the crisis as a better company back to normalization, which is the fifth step, which is the return to ordinary business. Now, that's broken down into four phases. So we'll start out with these crisis management phases. Okay. So the first phase is initial assessment and damage control. All right. Right. So what you're doing in this phase is you're looking at the immediate and potential long impacts on this crisis to your business and to the market in general. Right. Then the second step in that first phase is to do what you can to limit the damage. So what can you do to limit the damage to you? The third step in that phase is what do you need on your team and what do you have available on your team and your stakeholders that you can use to consult with to help you get that information. And so that's your initial assessment, right? So now you have this assessment of the situation. 
And then you have your second step. And the second step is stabilization and a crisis pivot. So this is where you're trying to get more stable and get to a point where you can pivot. So how can you extend your runway is the first thing, right? So Mm -hmm. if you're a startup and you have cash issues or your pipeline is drying up on your sales side, whatever it is, how do you extend the runway that you have? And then what part of your existing business is still viable in the crisis and after the crisis? And what part of your business is not? This is a heavily weighted question. It can drastically Mm. pivot your business if you really think about what this the the Mm. aftermath Mm. of this crisis will actually be. Probably one of the more important questions to be asking in this stage, correct? Yeah, it's a really important question because things won't be the same. I think it's a mistake for anybody to think that post-crisis, it's just everything's going to be the way it was before. It's not going to be the way before. So you have to sort of, this step in this stage sort of allows you in these four stages sort of some thought processes associated with trying to figure out what that is for you, what this means for you as a startup entrepreneur. And then the next one is, how can you use existing assets and talents differently to generate revenue or enter new markets? So we've had some examples that uh, just one today, right, was our, in our area in San Diego, there's all of these warehouses that supply food to restaurants. Well, a lot of the restaurants are shut down. So what they did is they started opening up their doors to the public at the prices that they were offering it so they could sell the food before it went bad. And at the same time, generate revenue. So this is what I mean by what do you have available to generate revenue in a new market? Even if it's temporary, what do you have to pivot, sort of change yourself so you can deal with what's going on now? Excellent. And then the last one is how can you adapt to that, to that decision that I just went through? The next big phase is seizing an opportunity because you've identified it now, right? Right, right. So seizing the opportunity is what aspect of your business sector or market are likely to see permanent change? Hmm. And how do you become a market leader in that new world, right? So once you identify the new world, how do you become the one that adapts to that new world? And then what has the crisis created for your customers that you can solve, right? So problems are opportunities and pain points are problems. So now you start to analyze and say, okay, what problems are there out there, right? That can be solved. Then fourth, in the fourth phases of crisis management is return to deliberate operations. So now, instead of you operating on an urgent basis, you've got control of your company and you're moving forward in a thought-through direction. Makes sense. So what conditions must be met in order for you to exit the crisis and go back to operation, deliberate operations? Right, right. And how will you assist and in what form in the new business or market? So what is this new business or your new normal going to be like? Yeah, yeah. And those are the four phases. Now, when you think about these four phases, I want to talk about two things. You have pre-crisis and you have during crisis, circles of concern and circles of influence. Right. So you have one big circle and inside of that is a smaller circle. The big circle is a circle of concern. This is before the crisis. Right. So normally you have a big circle, circle of control and factors that you have no control over. And then inside of that, you have a smaller circle of influence. These are factors you can control. Right. But then when you go into a crisis mode, the circle of concern is really big and the Mm -hmm. circle of influence is very small. So the things you can't control become much bigger than those things that you can control. Right. And I think this is an important distinction because it can be a sticking point for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. In my experience, a lot of times people can get sidetracked or focused or they're anxious or worried about some of those things that are in the I can't control it part of the sphere and because they haven't made that distinction yet. Of yeah. This is what I can and this is what I can't control. 
So I'm not going to worry about what I can't control. I'm going to focus on what I can to make a real change. Right. And so when you go through that, the four phases of crisis management, you start to identify that stuff and then you can put them in their appropriate buckets, right? So the circle of concern factors you can't control and circles of influence, the factors, you know, you can do something about. Now, a lot of this has to do with military, what they call war plans or war games, right? right? right, right. And they do a lot of this and they have the most sophisticated process for managing crisis that I've seen. And so a lot of this stuff we got from doing interviews with a captain who was in charge of the most sophisticated weapons ship on the planet, right? I mean, this thing's got enough nuclear weapons to blow up the whole planet. This guy was running the whole thing and this came out of an interview with him, right? As well as a pilot, another captain of the first fighting wing of the Air Force and a couple of Navy SEALs who taught this stuff to me. And then I basically translated it and form fit it to business and then applied it, right? That's a pretty neat way to do it because I mean, if there's anyone that knows crisis, it's the military. I mean, that's yeah. that's what they do. They're that's whole, all they do. Right. That's all they do. Their whole yeah. point is to manage crisis. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, you're talking about a group that can put a bridge over a massive canyon in 24 hours or build a hospital in 24 hours. I mean, these people know right. how to do this, right? Yeah. yeah. So some of this came from that, and then some of it came from other areas of boss. So right. let's go into the circle of influence checklist. Now that you've okay. got the things that are in your circle of influence, you have a checklist. So Right, right. A checklist of all the things, you know, priority backlog, the things that are important to the customer and downtime and risk mitigation strategies. And you make this big list. And on the other column, you have circles of concern, the things you can't control. And so basically, you take the items that are in those two circles and you put them into two lists so that you're aware of the things you can't control, but you act on the things that you can control. Mm-hmm. Then you move into the initiative development process. It starts out with isolating the initiative. Each one of these things on the checklist is the initiative. Right. And then you do a SWOT analysis. And SWOT simply stands for strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And so you make four squares stacked on top of each other. So you have a, basically a sheet of paper with a one line going vertical, one line going horizontal, and each one is S-W-O-T. So strengths and weaknesses. What are those things that you have in terms of your strengths? That's tailwinds, weaknesses, headwinds, right? Right. And then... Right strengths, and then you have your threats and opportunities, right? And so this sort of takes the thing you want to act on and it makes you think about what tailwinds and headwinds you have and what do you have at your disposal to take advantage of this. It's a really good way of thinking through that process. Yeah, it's excellent. Yeah. And then you come up with a mission, right? So your mission is to go from X to Y by date, and then there's an objective, the specific things that lead to the mission. Then you have, now you got this big list of things you have to do. And obviously, they don't have the same priority, right? So you have to go through a prioritization process. The prioritization process starts out with identifying which things are urgent and which things are important. Usually, in boss, urgent things happen when important things are ignored, except for when there's a crisis, because that urgent thing was caused by something outside of your influence, right? Right, right. And then you go through impact versus effort. So now you know which things are urgent, which things are important. And then you have to say, what has the highest impact with the lowest effort? And you score them. So if you have a spreadsheet and you have a list of things, you have a column of urgent versus important, a column of impact versus effort. Then you can move into execution. And that's the simplest way to explain this. Now, on the website, we've built a lot of stuff, gregoryshepherd.com forward slash COVID-19. And in there, there's a webcast that pulls the deck. Everything that you need to go through this process is in there. So let me give you a case study. This will give you an example of 
how this went down. So for your listeners. So the business is a business in the SaaS space, so the high-tech SaaS space, software as a service space. And right, right. the situation analysis was social distancing has caused the workforce to abandon the field. And as a result, customer acquisition costs got huge and the pipeline started to dry up. Right. So what we did is we said, okay, how do we handle this? We leveraged the boss system and we created an initiative process, development process, just like what I just went through, right. to dimension the problem and determine the course of action. The output of the process resulted in two key initiatives. You don't want to have a ton of these things. Like I tell people, you never more than five, right? Okay. You, you can act on it multiple. You can do multiple iterations, you know, loop around. Right, right. The more you try to do, the less you're going to get done. Right, so right. the first thing was the deal triage. So we took all of the deals in the pipeline, and we said, okay, let's maximize existing opportunities to take the pressure off of a new pipeline process, right? Right. And reduce the customer acquisition cost as fast as possible to make sure those deals don't dry up. Mm -hmm. So we immediately said, okay, let's repurpose the event budget because this business got most of their sales from events. We said, okay, we can't do events because of social distancing. Right. So instead, let's redeploy that budget into digital marketing into these initiatives. Right. And right, right. so this is what happened. The customer acquisition costs were reduced by 20%, redeploying the budget to a digital pipeline. That was the result of, of redeploying the budget. Then the right. deal trios resulted in four net new deals, which originally were projected to close in the next few months. So this business, to give you an idea of what the business is, high-tech software, they have about $2 million in ARR, 10 employees, the product or service is an automation tool, and their average sales cycle is 60 days. Right. So you can see that going through that process, it's a simple process. These things, it doesn't take a genius to make something complicated. <laughs> that is <Yeah>. true. <laughs> it takes somebody really intelligent to make something complicated simple. That's true. You know, Einstein, and I'm not 100% if this was actually his quote, but I had heard this a long time ago that Einstein said that, hey, you want me, somebody had asked him, like a professor had asked him to give a talk at their university about the theory of relativity. And he says, okay. Uh, when do you want me to do this? He says, if you want me to talk for three hours about theory of relativity, he says, I'm ready to go. I can do this mm-hmm. now. You mm-hmm. want me to talk for one hour, give me a couple of days to prepare. You want me to talk for 30 minutes, I'm going to need a few days. Yeah. You know, and then if you want me to just to sum it up in like 10, 15 minute presentation, he says, I'm going to need a couple of weeks. Yeah. Something like that. I don't have it exactly, but that's kind of what it was. Yeah. The more you distill something down, it's harder and harder. Yeah, because you have to not give up the message or the content in the message, but give the person less to consume. You right, know, right. and the idea of boss is not to be a high maintenance tool. And so the idea here was to make sure that this wasn't a really high maintenance thing. It was something that somebody could do in fifteen minutes. Right. right. We did it in fifteen minutes, fifteen, twenty minutes each iteration. Right, right. So I wanted to give you more of the case study that has to do with the SWOT that we did on this particular problem. Let's continue. Yeah. Yeah. So in the strengths area, the existing LTV to CAC ratio was three to one. And we had 60% of the sales could be made virtually without, and we had a reduplicatable process. We could duplicate this process pretty easily. So these are the strengths that we have. We had an existing infrastructure and tools that supported 100% of a virtual workforce. So these are the strengths that we had as, in terms of this business, right, right. just to give you guys an example. And then the weaknesses, we had large clients. These are big sales, right? right. That required on-site sales calls. They have big groups of people. Everybody works in an office. 
the current DG strategy revolved around this industry events and conferences, like I said earlier. So those are the weaknesses. Right. So let's right. talk about the opportunities. We had the opportunity of being first to market with a virtual pros approach, gaining share from the competitors because they hadn't gone through this process while they were trying to figure things out or, or just keep doing things the way they were before, we were able to quickly pivot and go in and start closing transactions. Right. So the other opportunity is that reduced sales expenses meant that we had a lot of budget to do demand generation over direct sales into the offices. Mm-hmm. And because we were already virtual, we had the ability to take the impact of this because we didn't have office expenses and so on. So that was, those are the opportunities. And then we listed the threats. So competitors have more resources. This is a startup, so they had more resources right. and they had more experience. There are bigger companies out there. And some event contracts may not allow for a refund of committed money. So you basically just lost the money, right, on that. So mm-hmm. some of the budget was just gone. And those are some of the threats that are sort of outside of your... So when you look at right. strengths, those are your strengths, you know, internally. Right, right. Weaknesses are your weaknesses internally as a business. And opportunities are outside opportunities. And threats right. are outside opportunities, or uh, outside threats, right? <laughs> right. So the other threat we had was the employee morale, right? And uncertainty right, right. leading to the reduction in this process. So, you know, people are sort of scattered and worried and trying to figure things out. And, yep. and so the productivity went down. And so right, we took right. those strengths, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats, and we put it into what we call MOCUM, which stands for Mission, Objectives, Key Results, and, and Measures. Mm-hmm. And this is just a spreadsheet that has the first, the functional area. So this was the sales. The functional area was sales. The description was to reduce the customer acquisition cost. And then the due date was 415. And the percentage to done. So we have like, how far are you to complete? At this point, when we did this, it was 10% to complete. And then what success looks like. So we had two objectives that I went through earlier. When those, each one of those objectives were due and what percentage to complete they are. And then the key results, these are the actual action items, right? So the mission is a top level, usually assessed by the C-suite. And then the objectives are usually assessed by minimum management. And then the key results are action items that are done by the either rank and file or or team leader, manager level people. Right. Even for a startup, you just act like you're that person, right? So this company that we did, they only have 10 people, right? So so not like this was an army of people. Right, right? So they, there. <laughs> yeah, so if you don't have those layers, just roll up or down, just ladder up and down and put those people in that role for that period of time. Right, and right. most of the time, people will step up to the challenge. The other thing that's really a critical part of, of BOSS is from X to Y by date. So you have to have time constraints, right? So from right. this to that, so from this could be a number, a dollar sign, or a percentage. Right, so from this to that by date. And we did the priority that we talked about earlier. And then they just started executing on it. Mm-hmm. And we were able to do this in like three days. You know, And right. those effects benefited within the same week. And so <clears throat> this is one example. We've done this now with a bunch of companies and even more companies as I start to teach this to the universities, the economic development chambers and so on. So right, right. that's how the crisis management system works. And again, people can go to gregoryshepherd.com forward slash COVID-19. You can get the tools, the deck, you can get everything. There's a webcast in there. Hopefully that can help your listeners get through this. Yeah, I think so. I mean, just what you've talked about right now, what you've outlined in this episode already gives them a good place to start to kind of understand what they can go through, what they can do to help them to pivot during this crisis and hopefully save their business. And do you also do like coaching or like a one-on-one 
I don't know. What's your process? Well, we started BR in alliance with the University of San Diego. We're doing mm-hmm. an academy. Okay. A boss academy. And the idea is that there's an initial academy where people can come for free. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you don't even have to be a student. They're opening up multiple campuses for this and right, other universities. Right. And, and then I'm going to deploy it into incubators and accelerators. And so it's available to everybody. The idea is that hopefully it's free for people to learn. The only thing that costs you money is the book, <laughs> you know? Right, right. And then once the academy is out there, then we'll have special certified coaches that can help people. This came out of demand because you know, when I started this, I was just doing it for my own companies and my own investments. And then right. when I started to write about it and talk about it and everything, it just kind of blew up. Right. So now I'm having to sort of adapt to that and build in coaches and the academy and all that sort mm-hmm. of stuff. So we're a little bit behind on that, but we're making our way. But the website has, I mean, I put do a lot of, I spent a lot of resources, a lot of money and time putting information in the website that are useful tools for people. So I'm hoping that that people go there and they can learn what they can there. Excellent. Well, good. Thank you for that. Before we end for today, I'm going to ask you for our Wealth Tactic Rebel Value Bomb, which is, Greg, in your experience, what should our listeners look to avoid and what can they do about that? I think that, first of all, there are two driving motivators right now anyway that I'm seeing, and one of them is panic and the other one is fear. Right. Right. And one drives the other one, right? Right. In a more bull market, you see greed being the driver and fear of loss, right? So fear is in both scenarios. One has to do with the fear of loss and the other one has to do with the fear of losing out on an opportunity. So I think that one of them is, you know, panic is usually caused because you don't know what to do. The unknowns sort of cause you to freak out. Anxiety, yeah. 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 So this process that I just went through, hopefully if people go through it, they get a handle on it, right? They can get it, get their arms around what they're dealing with and they should feel some relief on that. And then the second piece is the fear of the unknown. And that's the circle of concern, you know, in the circle of influence. So Mm -hmm. those are the big drivers that I'm seeing right now relative to this conversation. Mm -hmm. And I hope that I've supplied tools to to offset those things. Yeah. It sounds like it. I think that's uh Exactly right. I've seen this myself, maybe not putting it in the words that you're putting it in now, but yeah, I've definitely seen that, the fear and the panic. And I can see how that what you've done for someone who is panicking about their business, oh my God, I have nothing coming in. What happened? What am I going to do? Now they have something. Because it's like you said, you've already been there. You've done that. So they know that, hey, look, here's someone who's already lived it. They have a process that works. Maybe this can help me. Maybe this can get me through. Now they've got a little bit of hope. Yeah, I mean, it definitely is going to help somebody. Right. What gets surfaced in that process and how you deal with that is a separate question. Right, true. It'll definitely allow you to sort of understand better what you're dealing with. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Greg, anything else you want to share with our listeners for today? No, I just appreciate your time and I appreciate what you're doing and sharing this with folks out there that are getting businesses started and I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. And I appreciate your time today as well. I, I know you have a lot of experience and you're a busy guy with everything that's going on. So your time and your knowledge is absolutely valuable. And I'm sure our, our Wealth Tech Rebel listeners appreciate it as well. So thank you, Greg. I really appreciate it. Cheers. And listeners, thank you for joining us today. I hope this helps someone, any or all of you, in some way with managing the crisis that's going on today. And Greg and listeners, thank you all so much. I wish you all health and have a fantastic day. Want to really see things differently? Take our course in Genius Tactics 201. 
where we teach you all the wealth accumulating tactics with detailed real-life examples, see your progress with quizzes and a certificate of completion. For course details, visit WealthTacticRebels.com. Sign up today and start seeing things differently. This presentation is intended as informational only. Information presented does not consider your particular financial objectives, risk tolerance, time horizon, or other unique circumstances, and does not constitute a personalized recommendation or replace the advice of a financial, tax, or legal advisor or other qualified professionals. Do your own research and do not use the information of this presentation in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional. To the best of our ability, we provide content that is accurate as of the date of release. However, we give no assurance or guarantee regarding its accuracy, timeliness, completeness, or applicability. We assume no liability for the information of this and related presentations.